Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your Fellowship profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Good morning, Fellowship Church. How are we doing this morning? <laughs> Let me say that again. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> As we stand to our feet for worship this morning, I just want to remind you that you are so loved. God wants to draw near to you, and worship is an amazing way to draw near to Him. It's a response to Him for who He is, what He's done, how good He is, His greatness, His awesomeness, all the good things that He is. So let's raise our voices. He loves to hear our voices. Are you ready? All right, let's go.
forward with our worship and just coming from a whole place of giving him everything that we are, amen. So can we just, would you guys mind just coming in agreement with me and let's lift our hands up to the Lord this morning and let's just ask him. God, we desperately need you to show up. Holy Spirit, would you join us in this room this morning? Because if you're not here, this is nothing. We're not here for us. We're here for you. We sing to you, we love on you, and we glorify you. So would you meet with us, please? Would you meet with us? And Lord Jesus, as we sing this next song, it talks about it being well with our souls. And I, I am thinking there are some people in here and it, some things are not well with their soul. But Lord, we trust you to turn that around. And we come into a place with you and we stand in your presence where we can go, even if it's not, it is. Even if it's hard, it still is well with my soul. Even if it seems hopeless, it still is well with my soul. Even if it's hard to get out of bed, even if I feel like I can't take the next step, even if I don't see the light in the dark tunnel, it is still well with my soul because you are still God. You are still at work in me and you are still at work through me. So we stand here and we sing with confidence and we say, it is well with my soul.
God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you never fail us, that your promises are yes and amen, and that you don't ever not come through. And God, we know and believe that if we're in the middle of a mess and it doesn't seem good yet, then it means that you're not done yet because your word says that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. So God, we bring you our mess. We bring you our hurts and our heartaches. We bring you the things that we know are holding us back. And God, we ask that you would work out a way. It might not be our exact plan, but God, that you would work out a way that is in our best interest as our Father, knowing everything. And we thank you that you are so good that we can trust you in this way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church family. If you would, if you would, make your way back to your seats. If you're watching us online, a special welcome to you. We are so excited that you've tuned in with us. We hope that you've been worshiping and singing right there wherever you're streaming from. But we're just glad that you're here. If you would, just in the comments, if it's your first time, just uh, go ahead and text uh, 94,000 and then text the word fellowship. And that will lead you through a series of prompts that will help us connect you uh, right here with us at the church and get you to a pastor that can help you understand more about who fellowship is. But if you're new in in the worship center this morning. If you'd like to, you can stop by the information counter in the lobby. Let us know that you're visiting and we'd be happy to give you a free specialty drink for you and everyone in your visiting party and just uh, work towards getting to know you a little bit better and answer any questions you might have about our church. But we're just glad that you're here. Um, during this season, uh, we're taking our offering just a little bit differently and the way it works now is you can use the offering drop boxes that are located all throughout the building or you can mail in your offering, stop by with your offering, or you can do something digital. Uh, you can text give and the directions are over there for that as well as using your church center app and selecting the give option there. But the Bible lets us know that when we come to God's house that we should come prepared to give. We should come with an offering and with a tithe, that first 10%. But sometimes people wonder why, like what's the purpose and where does the, where do those resources go? So of course it goes to run church to keep the electricity on, to staff this place and see um, all the good things that you see every week. And one of the very first check or the very first check we write on a Monday morning is to Homeward Bound to take care of the poor right here in our own community. And then the second check we write is to Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is an awesome ministry that has, they call it boots on the ground everywhere in the world, wherever there's a crisis. So for example, this week we saw Hurricane Delta hit the Gulf Coast in Louisiana. And so they're already there because they use the local church all around the world. And when there's a crisis, they send resources through the local church into those communities. So Convoy of Hope is already there in Louisiana. They're already passing out bottled water, sending in generators, um, and caring for the people that are there. And part of that is because of the ongoing giving that we do as a church family and other church families do throughout the world. So just so you know, that's part of where the resources go. And the Bible says that when we're faithful with that, we're faithful with our giving, that, the Holy, that, that God opens up the windows of heaven and he pours resources into us more than we can even handle and the reason for that more that surplus is so that we can continue to be faithful and give and watch the cycle kind of continue throughout history so I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over you and your family and your resources God you know that we have needs in this room there's people that are wondering how they're gonna pay all their bills there's people that are wondering how they're gonna get a job that's gonna pay what they need God there's all kinds of questions when it comes to money and Lord we ask that you would provide breakthroughs that you would supernaturally 
supernaturally supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory, just like you promised in your word. And God, for those who are giving in faith this morning, pray that you would heap extra special blessings into their life. God, that you would be with us and strongly support us like you said in your word. You promised you'd do it, and we know we can hold you to your word. And so we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, fall at Fellowship Church usually means there's a ton of stuff going on, and this is no exception. We have a video to update you on all the cool stuff we have coming up. Good morning, church family, and thank you so much for joining with us today. I have a few things to share with you about what we have going on this season at Fellowship Church. First off, with Mesa County's phase three of reopening, we do not require registrations anymore. Praise Jesus. So invite a friend or a family member next weekend to join you. Our online book club just launched last week and it was such a success, but we wanna let you know that we still have room for more. So if you are interested in joining this class, you can sign up on the Church Center app. Also, if you have a makeup session, you can grab that on our church page underneath the online courses tab. You can get into the Zoom meeting right there and you can stay connected and join us with our online book club. I have loved seeing the connections that we have been able to make during this time. There have been so many people coming to Christ and it is amazing. Now, the next step in your faith, if you have not yet, is baptism. And praise God, we have that on the calendar. It'll be on October 25th. So if you wanna make this public declaration of your faith, please sign up on the Church Center app today. We have a new ministry launching here at the church. It's called Keepers of the House, and we need help taking care of our building. God has given us this amazing property, and we wanna make sure that it is well taken care of. So if you are interested in serving in this way, you can talk to Penny or Amanda at the Information Center right after this service, or you can sign up on the Church Center app to get more information. Pastor Will is gonna be starting the Holy Spirit class starting next week on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. You do not wanna miss this class. And if you haven't already signed up, make sure that you get onto the Church Center app. There are no workbooks required, but just bring your Bible and a pencil and get ready to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the rest of today's service.
Well, good morning. Woo, this is a good-looking 11 o'clock Sunday morning crowd at Fellowship Church. And I don't, I don't know what you people look like at home, but I'm glad you tuned in anyway. Thank you all. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Hey, uh, my assignment today is to speak to a certain type of crowd. I want to talk to people that are empty. Empty. There's a miracle that God has for empty people. Now you got to be empty to be eligible. And there's a difference between being empty and just being tired. If you're tired, just take a nap. Go on a two or three vacation and you're fine. When you're empty, sleep won't help empty. A vacation won't help empty. A sabbatical won't help the kind of empty that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of empty where when you are so low, you... You've gone so deep in your emotions that uh, the things you used to make you happy don't make you happy anymore. You used to smile more. You used to laugh more. You used to be a girl that liked to have fun, and you haven't had fun in a very long time. Somebody says something to you, and your face just doesn't respond very well. You're tuned out. You're not tuned in. You're not engaged. I'm talking that kind of empty. I'm talking the kind of empty that when your friends call up, the ones you used to listen to, you'll screen the phone call. And it's not that you don't love him. It's not that you didn't enjoy having time with him. It's just that you don't feel like you have anything left to give to them right now. Well, you don't have to worry about staying in that season because it is a season. It's a snippet. It's a, it's a snapshot. That's it. And God has a miracle to pull you out of these seasons or snapshots in your life called emptiness to overflowing. I'll get to it. A couple of days ago, Mrs. Miller, Juanita Miller, went home to be with the Lord. She was 90 years of age. I met her 31 years ago when Anna and I moved into town. I was 30. She, Anna was 29, and, and uh, 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 our daughter was 10, and our son was 7. And Mrs. Miller, Juanita, was the first person in Grand Junction to hug my neck and to hug Anna's neck and to welcome us. We were scared kids, starting a church with 19 people. There's no paycheck, no money. Ann and I just brought what we had in savings, and, and here we go. And, uh, and she fed us. Now, now, she fed us a lot, and, and then she fed us a lot more. We were skinny kids when we met Mrs. Miller. And I'm not accusing her, but I'm just saying. But she became a friend. She was wonderful. She was memorable. She was funny. When every Sunday morning up until just a few weeks ago, uh, early, 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 the, the security shows up here, and then our staff show up here, and Mrs. Miller was here. It was security staff and Mrs. Miller all at the same time. As soon as a side door opened, Mrs. Miller would be uh, in the lobby, and she'd be greeting people and talking with folks. I always stopped by and talked with her, and she was honoring and funny, and she'd pick on me, I'd pick on her. One day she was saying she was going to, you know, something was happening around her world or family, and I said, well, are you going? She goes, no, I'm not going. I said, well, why not? She said, because I'm old. And I said, well, Juanita, you've always been old. And she said, well, then you've always been bald. <laughs> that was Juanita. She died, not of COVID. She wants you to know she died from being 90, 90 years old. That'll do it. She didn't need anything else. She lived a rich life of of 90. But what happened in the funeral services, what happens in a lot of funeral services that we do, memorial services, uh, the family will present pictures of their individual's lives, going all the way back to when they were born and growing up. 
And we will put together through the creative work of one of our own, uh, Ryan Sanchez, back in the sound booth. And he will take those pictures, put great music to the background of them. They'll fade in. They'll fade out. It's, it's really pretty special to be in a service because you get to see them in different seasons and stages of your life where you may not have known them. And so with Miss Miller, there was pictures of her as a little girl and pictures of her when she, had, uh, she was growing up and when she met Cecil, her husband, who uh, went, uh, went to the Lord about uh, 20 years ago. We got to win him to the Lord 25 years ago. So, so, so all those pictures, having babies and those babies growing up and then all the grandkids she had. And I think, now I think I'm right on this. She had 87 great grandkids. That's something in it, 87. Wow. That's a busy family right there. That's a lot. But um, at the end of it, it was just so precious to be able to see those, what I call snapshots of Juanita Miller's life. You have those snapshots I'm talking about. We dug into your photo albums. We could look back. There's always that picture in school where the two front teeth are missing. You got that one, I bet. Some of you pictures where you had bell bottoms on, tie-dye T-shirts. Some of you were, you had different hairstyles, different haircuts. I mean, they'd be snapshots, wouldn't they? They didn't come to stay in your life. They came and they left because the snapshots changed. Marriages, some marriages ending. Kids, some now grown kids with their own kids. But your life would be remembered by snapshots. Now, if you're like me and you're over 60 years of age, some other snapshots have entered into those type of snapshots, and they might be what I would call, now stay with me, some health experience snapshots, or maybe some things that changed the trajectory of your life due to different physical things that might have happened. I, I was talking to an active couple, they were in their 60s, and uh, uh, they were getting ready to do, you know, some of that fun 60s world where you can travel a little bit more, do a few more things. And this was like two, two weeks ago, and they said, you know, we love to hike, we love to bike ride, love to play golf, love to ride horses, they said. And, um, I, and they asked, Ann and I, they said, you guys golf? I go, yeah, we love to golf. And they said, well, maybe we can play sometimes. We're trying to get our golf game back. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, um, a few months ago, we were, we were going to buy a house in this area, and we were real excited about it. And as we stopped at a stoplight, a girl, a teenage girl who was texting on her phone in a, in a very large SUV slammed into the back of our car, put us in the hospital, car was totaled, and we have been in rehab and spending money and time now just trying to be able to walk and be able to hike and hopefully ride our bike and swing a golf club again. Totally unexpected, changed their life physically for the rest of their life. When I was 14 years of age, I went with a buddy of mine, a guy named Joe Brinkerhoff from high school. We went over to his dad's house. Dad had a makeshift kind of a doom buggy in Orlando, Florida. And um, Joe and I took the thing out after school. Didn't have permission, but we took it out into a forest, into a field area. This is back before uh, Orlando had grown up so much. And we, there was a track back there, a sand doom buggy track. And so we went way back into the forest, and, and I took it for a lap. Joe took it for a lap. I took it for one. He took it for one. On the last lap, last corner, the tires dug in on the corner rather than kind of swinging around. And when it did, it flipped the doom buggy and rolled it, threw me out in front of it, and then landed on me and kept going. Well, it crushed my left rib cage, and when it crushed my left rib cage, it ruptured my spleen, caused internal bleeding, and I was laying in that field bleeding out. 
Joe took off running into a neighborhood. He wasn't injured in the wreck. He took off running into a neighborhood where he began to bang on houses and doors to be able to get some help to me. And uh, finally, uh, police came, an ambulance came, and then they brought in a helicopter to lift me out of that field and take me to a Mercy Hospital, it was called, in, uh, in Orlando, Florida. My parents were called. They met me at the hospital. Emergency surgery was done uh, to uh, stop the bleeding internally and to remove the spleen. And uh, after the surgery was over, uh, the doctor told my mom and dad, now I was, I was uh, just 14, the doctor told my mom and dad, said, uh, he'll never play sports again. He'll never play sports. Well, my parents knew that was a big deal to me. And uh, after I was healing up a little bit, and by the way, Joe Brinkerhoff watches uh, the services here, and I hadn't seen him in over 40 years, but Joe, I want to thank you so much for a God and you rescuing me that day. You saved my life that day, my friend, so shout out to you. Thank you for that. Listen, I appreciate it. Anna, Anna wants to tell you how much she appreciates it or she wouldn't have all this right here. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, uh, as they told my parents that, uh, the next, uh, the doc said, you never, never play high school sports. So, so uh, my mom, when it came time, you know, for, you know, sports the next year, things like that, my mom said, Dan, you can't try out for, for football. You can't do it, man. You're, you're, too, you're too fragile. You're too fragile, she said. She was like Beverly Goldberg on the Goldbergs. You, you know, just kind of like that. And I, and I, uh, and my dad said, my dad said, son, you can do whatever you want to do. And I said, okay. He overruled mom. Here we go. Junior and senior year of high school, I was a starting quarterback both those years. I also was the captain and center of the basketball team. I also was the pitcher on the baseball team. And I also played soccer because we had to. And the only reason I played soccer and we had to, because it was, it was a sport that we had to to get ready for, for football, for cardio. But the truth about soccer is I hate soccer because soccer is a stupid sport. You run all the way down to this side of the field. Somebody kicks the ball. You run all the way back to that end of the field. Somebody else kicks the ball. You run all the way back down to that. I was the tallest kid on the soccer field, tallest kid on the team. And my problem was every time I would try to get this long leg back to kick the ball, somebody else had already kicked it three times. Stupid sport. doctor said I would never play, but here's the problem with what the doctor said. He may have known medicine and he may have known science, but he did not know me and he did not know my God. Yeah. Snippets, snapshots, we all got them. The Bible's filled with snapshots of different people's lives. Read it and you keep bumping into them. For instance, right here in 2 Kings chapter 4, here is a woman. We don't get to know much about her. We don't see her in her early life. We don't see her as she's having her babies. We don't even know really how many kids she had. We don't see her getting married. We come into this snippet of absolute tragedy, a snapshot of one of the most difficult times that any individual could possibly go through. And here it is. She's a mom and she's not going to give up easy, but here's her story. Second Kings, one day a widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elijah. In other words, her husband was one of the young prophets studying under the older prophet Elijah. And she cried out to Elisha, my husband who served you is dead. And you know he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons to be his slaves what can I do to help you, Elisha said. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing. 
I'm down to nothing. I lost my husband. There's no food in the kitchen. My boys are going to be taken. I'm down to nothing. Oh, well, yeah, I got this old flask of olive oil. Now, because of you, when you hear the word flask, you're thinking of something totally different. So this is what a flask looked like in the Old Testament. I know you imagine it to be something different. But, uh, it, but it still wasn't very big. I mean, it was very small. Olive oil was a precious oil in that day. It was an oil that, uh, 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 that, that, that was worth a little bit of money. And she'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, I got a little flask of oil. And uh, she, she replied, then Elisha said, well, borrow as many empty jars. What? You, you want me to borrow empty? So empty's going to fix this problem? Who borrows empty? There's no value in empty. You don't go to the store, ladies, and buy a perfume bottle of perfume so you can have the bottle. What's valuable about that perfume bottle is what's inside the bottle. The bottle empty is not worth 60, 70 bucks. When I go to Home Depot to get a can of paint, I'm not buying the can. I don't care anything about the can. The can just holds what's valuable in it that I want. Nobody buys or borrows empty. But he tells her, he says, I want you to go get some empty jars uh, as you can. Get as many as you can from your friends and your neighbor. Then go to your house with your sons, because they're about to experience something that will radically change their life forever, and shut the door. Pour the olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside as it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons, and they said there aren't any more. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. She told the man of God what had happened. He said to her, now go and sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. She came to Elijah and reminds him, my husband was a good man. He was loyal to you. He was serious about his relationship with God, and uh, he was about doing God's work. And he still died. Here's my observation. Bad things are still going to happen to some really good people. The people that love the Lord, the people that are reading their Bible, the people that are tithing, the people that are serving, the people that are trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good provider, trying to be a good man, trying to forgive quickly, trying to get over anger issues, all those kind of things. I mean, bad things are still going to happen <clears throat> to some really good people. And not just when they are really old, but maybe also when they're really young. You see, growing old is not a right that you have. Growing old is a gift that God gives you. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that gray hair is a crown. So if you're in here today and you have gray hair, and if you do, kind of raise your, just kind of get my attention if you would. If it would be gray, but you have a good hairdresser, would you? Okay, so what I'm trying to say is this. Gray hair is a crown to you. Gray hair is a sign of God saying, hats off to you. You have gone this far in your life and you're still standing. You have dealt with everything you've dealt with to be able to get where you are today. And you're still here. Hats off to you. Congratulations. Gray hair is a crown to you. You had to go through a lot of things in this life to still be standing today. Congratulations for that. But it is not your right to grow old. 
There's nobody that says that you can grow old to be 90. Matter of fact, God said you won't in most cases. But God also wanted you to know that bad things are still going to happen no matter how good you think you can play it. And that's why the, when we realize that life is a gift, we also have got to realize that, that every day that we have is a gift from God. We can't waste time. You're not going to get time back. I have to decide what I'm going to give my life to and what I'm not going to give my life to. I've got to say yes to some things and no to some other things because I'm not going to get any of that life back. Life is a gift. And if you haven't learned it, you will learn it. Sometimes you need to understand that the word no is a complete sentence. You don't need to add anything else. So this woman comes to Elisha and says, my husband was a good man and he's dead. So no matter what we did, did not, did not keep him here. So she wasn't wasting time on unforgiveness. She wasn't wasting time on bitterness. She wasn't waiting for somebody to explain to her why in the world did this happen to me. She didn't spend any time on that. She just wanted to know where could I go from here. I... Uh, uh, I, I want to I make a point, and I, I want you guys to, I, I want to ask you not to get mad at me. Okay, I, I, I do. I want to I ask you not to get mad. We promise not to get mad? Okay, so after my dune buggy wreck at the age of 14, I was told that I had a compromised immune system. No spleen means no filtration system, which means I could be susceptible to getting sick quite often. My mom used the word, Danny, you're fragile, right? So after that was over, uh, for the next, I was, I was told that I could get pneumonia very easily. I was told that I could get colds very easily. I was told, all that. I am 62 years of age. I've never had pneumonia. I've never had an upper respiratory problem. I've never had an illness that ever kept me from anything. Matter of fact, I've never been affected by it in any way whatsoever, ever, to the age of 62. At the age of 55, I had a major heart attack. I was out in the book cliffs at a gun range, practicing and exercising my second amendment right. And, uh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. So, somebody at home just hollered into the other room, honey, you, you better get in here. <laughs> Hooper's going to rant again. No, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I may not. But while I was out there, I had a heart attack. And then they took, I, got, I made it to the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So now, for the last several years, I've been a heart patient. So no spleen and a heart patient. And then, then, just a few months ago, I'm up here helping the guys move furniture from office to office. We're making some, changing some things around. And I noticed my, my calf muscle hurt. And I thought, well, I pulled a calf muscle. Well, sure enough, when I went into the hospital with that because I couldn't breathe, I went in and they said, you had a, a blood clot that broke loose in the leg. It hit your heart and your heart exploded it into both lungs, upper and lower, and filled both lungs with blood clots. The doctor, just three, three and a half months ago, when he came in and he saw my x-ray, this doctor said, I've never seen a person whose lungs looked as bad as yours and is still sitting up breathing room air and not on a ventilator. And I thought, well, okay. And then I'm like talking to God going, now what's this all about? You're, you're letting me have lungs full of blood clots uh, during a time when there is a virus that affects the respiratory system of your body? The timing don't seem really good to me, God. So this is what I want you to understand. I would be in that high-risk category. I would be in the category of people that need to stay home. Stay home, stay safe. Stay home, stay safe. I shouldn't just wear one mask. I should wear five. I mean, if you listen, 
I was on an airplane two weeks ago. We were sitting elbow to elbow with a plane full of people, told several times, social distance and keep your mask over your mouth and over your nose. And I'm rubbing elbows for four hours with people that I did not even know for four hours on a crowded airplane, and yet you can't go to see grandma for 15 minutes with a mask on. Something's wrong with that. So when I say this to you, I'm saying this to you from a most vulnerable physical place. When Governor, uh, what's his name, Polis, when Polis said there's a stay-at-home order back in February, do you all remember that? The stay-at-home order. If you go out, it's possible the police could pull you over and find out whether or not your uh, job was considered necessary or essential. Well, churches and staff and pastors were not considered essential businesses when this whole stay-at-home order happened. Now, pot shops and uh, 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 liquor stores were, but pastors couldn't reach out helping people in our community. We had to stay at home. So on the first Saturday of the stay-at-home order, I got in my truck and I drove to this office and I went to work. And you know what I saw? I saw our streets filled with automobiles. And I saw places crowded with people. I called my wife up and I said, I don't know if anybody listened to this stay-at-home order or not, but it seems to me like everybody's doing what everybody had always done. You say, you're worried about the virus? Not one time, not ever, not since the day we heard about it on the news. Not one time. Have you altered your life? Not once. Not once have I altered my life. Well, the mandatory mask saying, well, you know, I wore it on an airplane. I sure did that. Listen, before this whole mandatory mask saying, I have been on enough airplanes to know that when you get on an airplane, you ought to be wearing a hazmat suit with a can of Lysol. <laughs> That's a good idea. But here's what I want to talk to you about for a second. And don't get mad at me. You promised. I'm afraid some of you, this virus isn't going away. I said that in February. It's not going away. Common cold didn't go away. The flu didn't go away. Pneumonia didn't go away. Heart disease didn't go away. Cancer didn't go away. It's not going away. It is another player that will end people's lives or just make you sick. But it isn't going anywhere for the rest of your life, vaccine or no vaccine. We got a vaccine for the flu. 55,000 people die every year from it. It's not going anywhere. Vaccine or no vaccine. But here is my concern. My concern is that some of you are going to get to heaven and God's going to say, what would you do with the last two or three years of your life? And you're going to say, I stayed home, stayed safe. You did what? Stayed home, stayed safe. Governor Cuomo, Cuomo said that, that if you don't, you don't, you don't uh, uh, that if the church, you go to church in New York, that I will shut down churches. Really, I believe my son said in Matthew chapter 16, I have built my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Where did Cuomo say that last week? I think you find it right here in Governor Cuomo chapter 6, verse 66, right there. Oh, no, wait, it doesn't exist. But I'm afraid. And listen, I'm not making fun of this. There is a real virus out there that is really dangerous. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that you can't let that, go that govern your life. You can't let that dictate what you're going to do for the next several years. I'm afraid some people are going to get to heaven and God's going to say to them, what would you do for the last three years? Stay home, stay safe. Really? 
Okay, why? Well, I didn't want to die of the virus, okay? What did you die of? This is God talking. What did you die of? Uh, well, uh, cancer. Cancer got me, okay? So cancer got you. Mm -hmm. So you didn't die of the virus, but you allowed the virus to keep you from living. Now, I don't know if God drank coffee when he said that. You know, that's just me being dramatic, but... But here was a problem of a person who died at a very young age. A godly young husband didn't get to see his boys grow up, didn't watch them grow into manhood. His absence caused them to be uncovered and ill-prepared. His provision, his provision was no longer there. His protection was no longer there. The cupboards were growing empty. Her husband's dead. Come on, watch. Her husband's dead. No food in her house. She's down to losing her two sons to a creditor that would use them as slaves. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'd take 10, 20, 20s over the snapshot that's in her life right now. And this woman did not ask why. Why did I lose the job? Why the health? Why the issue? Why the person walk out of my life? She asked, what now? What do you want me to do now? And he said, I want you to do something that doesn't make sense. I want you to look around you and see something that you may not have been looking at correctly, very, very quickly. What Elijah said and what God wants you to know is that your future is never tied to what you lost or to who left your life regardless of how they left it. Your future is tied to what you have left. And some of you need to take another look around because this miracle starts when God begins to magnify something in your life that you have overlooked. The normal, the simple stuff, the jawbone of an ass that was used to destroy an army, two fish and five loaves of bread, something simple you may not have thought. And God says, I want you to take another look at that which you have left because I'm going to use me, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to use it for your material, for your, for your miracle. He said, I want you to go and I want you to borrow empty, more empty. Because God, look at this, because there's something about empty vessels that attracts God's attention. There is something about empty vessels that attracts God's attention. be eligible for this miracle, you have to be empty, completely, completely empty. God told her through Elisha, I want you to go and gather up empty, more of what you're already feeling, more of what you already have experienced. Now, God could have said, I see what happened to you. This is a crazy situation. I'm going to let you win the lottery and enjoy. But he didn't. This miracle was going to happen with her involvement. Now watch this. She had to be involved in the miracle. Take action and do that which seemed even silly to her in order for this miracle to come. Because God's not interested in just giving you. He's interested in partnering with you to have a journey with you. And then he 
Then he says this, I want you to shut the door. Shut the door. Shut out all the other voices. Shut out the news. Shut out what they're saying. Shut out what the in-laws are saying. Shut out what your best shut, shut out what your best friends are saying. I want you to do what I told you to do. I want you just to take a look around because what you need for your miracle, you still have it. And then I want you to shut the door because it's not going to involve anybody else but me and you. And now, sister, now son, now daughter, I am going to do what only I can do that will take you from empty to completely overflowing. And the snapshot, boom, is about to, boom, change. Would you all stand with me for a moment? You can never stop asking that question in your life of, what now? Not why did this happen. Not why is this going on. You and I are playing by rules that you and I did not create. It doesn't do any good to say why. Why did they leave? Why did the company close down? Why did I have a loss here? Why did my, my investment went there? Why am I so lonely? How come I poured my heart and my love into that man and that man broke my heart and walked out of it? I have no heart left. I got that. What do you, what do you got? I got this. All right, I got this little bitty piece of heart, God. That's it. A little, a little bitty piece of heart. I'm going to use that. And I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. Okay. What now? Here's what God's attracted to. You just coming to him empty. And here's what the prayer looks like. God, I don't even have a plan anymore. My, my, plans, my plans don't work. I'm, I'm in a mess I'm in because of my plans. I tried to meet my own guy online. I looked up online, farmersonly.com, right there. There, I looked for him. He's on a tractor with no shirt on. He looked good, baby. But he was a creeper. So I have no plan. I, I, got, I got nothing. No tricks, no rabbits to pull out of a hat. I got nothing. I don't know what to do. I don't have an agenda. I got nothing. So what now? God says, I can feel empty. <laughs> and I can keep feeling empty. But you keep getting you in the way of me giving you what I want you to have. I am commissioned by my Heavenly Father, our Almighty God, as an under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ and a co-pastor here at Fellowship Church to rebuild the ministry of Fellowship Church in this valley, in this state, and as far as God wants to take it. But we do not have a prototype for that. There's no churches we can call, no staffs that we can talk to. Who's doing it? How you doing it? How you getting people through this COVID thing? How you, how you bringing them out of it? Because so, it used to be that our competition was good weather and what other option you had to do on Sunday. We had to be better than that to get you here. And now it's not what other options you have to do because you don't have a lot. Now we're dealing with a fear mentality that says you shouldn't come. 
So no prototype. So here's what we're doing. <laughs> what now? What now, God? And God says, well, close the door and I'll show you. Close the door and I'll do it. Your miracle that you need. Now, will you bow your heads with me for a second? How many of you would say, look, I'm not just tired, Pastor, I'm empty? Would you, would you raise your hand, be real? Safe place to be real, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Stop talking about what you lost or why it happened or how come you and not somebody else. Stop it. Stop it. And ask what, one question, what now? Look around you again because your answer, you still have it with God. It's there. It's something. I don't even know what it is. You'll know. And then close the door. Shut out CNN. Shut out Fox News. Shut out MSNBC. Shut out the naysayers. Shut them all out. Grab that remote and click it off or turn it over to something else. And watch God do something amazing, personal, one-on-one -on -one with just you. And don't call, allow your fear of this virus that it might take your life to cause you to lose the rest of your life. It's here. Live with it. Deal with it. And keep moving through it. And I pray that over you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I love y'all. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, and your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to connect you with resources and support you to take your next step in your new walk with Christ. Text HEAVEN to 94000 to get started. Thank you for joining us today, and make sure you join us next Sunday, either online or in person, for 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. services.